1: All right, welcome to another session of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. I want to start this week's episode by saying thank you for making my podcast part of your routine. There are thousands, if not millions of podcasts out there. So the fact that you chose mine and you have me as your coach and mentor is a great honor for me. So today I wanted to do something a little bit different and extend an invitation to you because if you like my philosophies and and you want to be part of a group of people that are hard charging and are taking action towards financial freedom and fulfillment, then all you have to do is hop on a call and talk to somebody on my team at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call to find out how we can help you achieve your goals. You don't have to do it alone. We are here to help. In fact, doing it alone is the longest journey towards success. It's a lonely one on top of that. So just take the next step. All you have to do is say yes, jump on a call, and then learn what you don't know that you don't know, and let's help you fast track towards success. Today's guest is Michelle Molitor, is the founder and CEO of Nectar Consulting, and you're going to hear this story of why she called it Nectar. It's kind of a cool story. She's the co-author of the best-selling book Breakthrough Healing and God knows most of us need some breakthrough healing. She works with executives and entrepreneurs bringing over 25 years of experience, some intuitive insights and some strategic business savvy to their success and that's a good hybrid marriage of the inside and outside Strategies that work to create breakthroughs. She's an expert at helping business professionals remove the blocks created by imposter syndrome, and you'll learn what that is exactly to help them achieve greater success, well being, and career satisfaction. Michelle's unique rapid rewiring approach is a culmination of years of study in the realms of emotional intelligence, neuroscience, Organizational Psychology and Rapid Transformational Therapy. And when you put all those together, you come up with a fancy title called Rapid Rewiring or TM. She helps catalyze shifts in thinking and eliminate mental emotional blocks to rapidly rewire your brain for greater confidence and success. So let's not delay. Let's get to my chat with the beautiful Michelle and let's get some juicy insights. I'm so glad you could be here, Michelle. I've uh, spoken to you before about some of the things that you do that impact people's life. And it's an honor to have you here on my podcast, Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life.
0: Thank you, Rock. It's a delight to be back with you today.
1: So we were talking a little bit before the show, a little bit about COVID, how people have gone through that, what are some of the benefits. And I know that you work a lot of, a lot with people on imposter syndrome. Why don't you lay the foundation for people of what exactly that means?
0: Sure. Imposter syndrome is a psychological phenomenon, if you will, that has us believe that we're a fraud that we're not as good as other people think we are, that we don't necessarily deserve the accolades, the raise, the promotion, the spotlight that we might be getting at work or, or otherwise. And it creates a, a deeper level of anxiety within us that causes people to want to shrink back, To create, it creates a lot of self-doubt. And has them start second guessing themselves, which can ultimately lead to a downward spiral of negative beliefs and negative actions, which can have all sorts of bad consequences from stress, depression, anxiety, to even physical challenges within your body that manifest like IBS or ulcers or, you know, illness in severe and different ways so it's a big problem and it's affects 70% of the population both men and women although women seem to be affected a bit more by it and it really can do a number on you and your career if you're not careful
1: what what is the opposite of that would that be narcissism
0: gosh that's a good question probably yeah I would definitely say so
1: (laughs) Okay. So let me ask you, what creates this phenomenon? Because when we grow up as kids, you know, we, we are very naturally just expressive and we are ourselves. And then we start to put these masks on and we start to adapt, to fit in and to belong and to not offend, et cetera, et cetera. And then at some point in time, we get some feedback, you know, why are you showing off or easy for you? And we realize that, most pain comes from separation and most separation comes from trying to be, or part of it comes from trying to be better than other people or show that you're better. And so what is the dynamic there?
0: Well, as you know, Rock, the the atmosphere, the environment that we grow up in as children plays a huge part and in, in how we end up showing up in the world. Right. And if you're if you grow up in an atmosphere that has judgment or negativity or um, criti- overly critical parent figures in your life, you start to create beliefs about yourself. As kids, we just take in that data; it's just absorbed into our brain and our subconscious, right? And we'll we'll either believe it or we'll completely reject it, and we'll go the opposite direction, right? Can you give me and an so- example? Yeah. So, so for example, you know, I'll use myself, right? This is why I love studying this stuff. You know, I grew up in a perfectly imperfect household, right? My parents have been married for 60 something years. I have a happy family, right? But my parents were very judgmental and critical of me, of a lot of things. And that as the youngest in my family, it had me believe, oh, I'm not good enough. And so I was constantly striving which has created me as a very strong, independent woman. And there was a lot of self-doubt and lack of confidence that I had that was underneath the surface. That's where those facades came in, right? I spent a lot of time earlier in my life trying to keep it all together to prove that I was enough, right, until it, you know, the facades had to fall away. So, so that, that atmosphere that we grow in, go up in, it might look perfectly normal on the outside. And there was nothing terrible in my life, right? But there was, there were these beliefs that I took on that, that shaped me, right? And I see this so often. And so many of the clients that I work with now, other folks have experienced really terrible traumas which creates a whole different layer and level of sense of lack of self-worth that people have to overcome to get to some place of their authentic self
1: so 15 years ago i wrote a book called the power of your identity and it has to do with the words that follow I am, follow you. When you start to describe yourself in a way, often suggestions from the people and environment, as you say, as people told you, "Oh, well, she's shy or you know, he's hyperactive or you know they 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 try to define the, we all try to define things around us so we we feel safe, right? Yes, if we, if we couldn't know how that person was if that if we thought that person was insane and they might attack us, We need to know that so that we can protect ourselves. So this judgment and labeling is done in a way of survival, but it is also done in a way I feel that limits. And because we're not really conscious of it, we end up then living into it, not necessarily in a way that serves us. So for instance, I was told that I was too skinny, told that I was ugly because I had acne, And so the way I behaved was I became very, very introverted and very, very shy. And that was how I developed my uh, low self-esteem. However, being the youngest of seven kids, I was often bullied by my older brothers and sisters We lived on a farm, maybe they were bored or what have you. I was an easy target. And so I literally learned to run away from my brothers. And one day at school, we were playing football at recess and somebody threw me the ball, and nobody could catch me.
0: <laughs>
1: I got so fast at deking people out because I had got so fast at surviving from being beaten by my older brothers, running through the horse fields, et cetera, scampering through through gates and, and uncrawling under things. My body had responded in a way that gave me this skill or talent, and so then, over time, everybody wanted Rock Thomas on their football team.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so is it is it possible as you work with people that you uncover the silver lining to the so-called negativity that, you know, the labels, the the, the abuse, the, the the neglect. Can people mine out the gold? from that experience with your coaching.
0: Yes, absolutely rock and that's that's my favorite part of what I do. You know, one of one of the things I learned many years ago is our our greatest source of pain is our greatest source of power. Right. Your pain was getting beaten by your brothers and it became your power and running. Right. And so how I work with clients through my rapid rewiring methodology, it starts with hypnotherapy right? And in that process, when you're in that alpha brainwave state, that half awake, half asleep state, I'm literally able to have a conversation with your subconscious. And what's at the root cause of this fear, this lack of self-confidence, this imposter syndrome. And clients- your, your subconscious remembers everything that's happened to you. So it bubbles up to the surface, all the data points that you need to know. And we'll often take clients back to some point in their childhood. Sometimes it's in their early adulthood, or it might've been just five years ago. But in those moments, they remember those, those scenes, those emotions that they're feeling, and they can see the the beliefs that they created about themselves. And through this process, we're literally able to rewrite the story and eliminate the emotional charge around it so that then they can take that event in their life instead of it having to be part of their story, their I'm not enough story, it becomes just part of their history. And it's just something that happened to them, but it no longer impacts them.
1: It's really powerful to watch. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So I've got a bunch of questions because you're just kind of going in deep and juicy. So let me ask you this one because this is rock your money, rock your life is on an unconscious level. We start to associate things and money is emotional. Yes. So I know for myself, I grew up on a farm and what I heard, the programming I got was life is difficult. You will have to work hard. That's just the way it is. And everywhere around I looked, Michelle, as there was evidence, there was always something to fix. There was always something to paint. There was always something to do. So I grew up and I have most of my life being drawn toward working 12, 14, 16 hours a day and relaxing became my challenge. So that underlying programming was always available to me and it became conditioned in. What is the programming, do you think? Because 95% of the population, 95% don't win the money game.
0: Yeah. Well, as you said, we all learn what our relationship with money at those early ages, right? From our parents, from their experiences. And until you become aware of that unconscious programming, it will continue to run your life, right? And so it's getting at those root causes, those root incidents that created those beliefs and changing them that makes all the difference. I had a, my money story was really, really challenging. My parents were fluent. Right. But my experience with money was different than my sister's because she was five and a half years older than me. And so as my parents built their businesses, right, the things that she received were different than what I received. And so when I would receive something, she would get jealous of me because I got it earlier, sooner, bigger, bolder, whatever it was than she got. Right. And so did
1: you attach to that?
0: so i created a really interesting schematic around this one let me tell you it took (laughs) me a long time to unfold this oh my god lean in this is good stuff lean in it is so i i connected the dots at a young age that if you have too much you won't be loved because all yes. I wanted was to be loved of and, and held by my brother and sister and my mom and my dad. I always felt like I was the black sheep, the fifth wheel in the family. And so, you know, my time with my mom was Saturday mornings to go shopping. Her love language is giving gifts, right? So she would mm. buy me stuff, right? And I was like, oh, I'm loved. I'm, uh, you know, I'm cherished. But then my sister would be like, oh. Huh. Right. And she'd come at me with these attitudes. And so I would recoil. And, and so somewhere in my psyche, I decided that, oh, if you have too much, too much stuff, too much money, too much fill in the blank, then love will be taken away. And, and you'll be pushed away. So for many, many years, I kept hitting a, a money ceiling. I was like, what is wrong? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Why can't I get past the ceiling? And it was because that underlying connection, because all I really want and all humans really want, I believe, is just to be loved and to be seen and to be respected, right? And I wasn't getting that. So I was like, well, I better not have too much money. Because then somehow that love will be taken away. So it was a very twisted kind of story that I had created. And the moment that I was able to see it and uncouple it, like, oh, this does not have anything to do with this, right? Everything changed. It was fascinating and and brilliant and wonderful, all in the same moment.
1: (laughs) Beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to your story in different ways. Have you read the book, The Big Leap?
0: The Big Leap. I have many years ago, yes.
1: By Gay Hendricks. And he talks about something called the upper limit problem. And he talks about these fundamental beliefs of, you know, one that we are fundamentally flawed, which comes up at some point in time. But in your case, it's one of these things of, you know, if you got the same or more than your brother or sister, then you felt like this was going to cause you a loss of love, right? So if you shine too much, if you receive too much from the universe, then you lose the very thing that you want, which is connection and love. So what you do is you start to repel what the universe is offering you. You start to push it away. You start to tell yourself, I don't want that money. I don't want that promotion. I don't want that, you know, beautiful love that's going to sweep me off my feet or whatever it is. I don't know if in your case. So I'd like to just go a little bit deeper on that for this, for the listeners is when did you become aware of it and how did it shift financially? And second part to that question is what has been the history of your love life?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we go uh, deep here and I'll let you off. Yeah easy, Michelle. No, it's all good. I love swimming in the deep end of the pool, even when it makes me squirm. And so the the money the money question rock is something that i was challenged with for so many years i've been a coach for 20 years and i've i'm a learning junkie right i have taken a bazillion courses and trainings and certifications right can i have another workshop please and and it wasn't until um i discovered this process called rapid transformational therapy or rtt for short that I was able to finally get at the root cause. And RTT is what I practice now with my coaching. And so it's in that process. I remember the day, it was December 22nd, (laughs) right? I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when I was going through this course and it unlocked this block that I had. And literally within three weeks, some opportunities came to be that I would have never, ever, even been open to receiving because yes. of the underlying fears. Working on large, hundred, you know, a five hundred thousand dollar consulting project, which before my brain would have been like, "No, who are you?" Right? And I was like, "Well, who am I not?" Right? It literally changed all of that, and. <laughs> And in that same three and a half week period, three week period, whatever it was, a person I had known from many, many years ago, there was a mutual crush that had been happening, but we were both married at the time and all this kind of showed up out of left field and we started dating, you know? And so it was like, wow, there's something to this, right? This, this work is really, really powerful. So it, it shifted a lot for me, both financially in my business and personally because it enabled me to have the the experience of abundance in a way that I had never allowed myself to have before because I didn't think I was worthy of it. Mm. That had been the underlying program that I had taken on. I'm, I must not be worthy or I must not be good enough because I can't seem to have this.
1: Right. So give us a time frame, would you?
0: A time frame. So when, when did that happen? December,
1: December 22nd. Oh,
0: that happened in December 2016.
1: It was five 2016, years ago. Two, yeah. Okay. And what had you been doing for employment for most of your life?
0: So prior to becoming a coach, I was a graphic designer and creative director in my former life in high tech, right? Okay. I was in the early days of the dot-com world. And you know had achieved levels of success and ironically the the company that moved me to the san francisco bay area hurry we're gonna ipo i had a golden ticket i thought i was gonna be a millionaire on the spot rock you know it's gonna be great and literally the week i started the week we were gonna ipo was the week the market crashed back in 2000 (laughs) i was like huh look at that no more golden ticket never mind And so it's fascinating to see how these things play out and the universe will give you what you're expecting, right? And so unconsciously at that point in time, I didn't, I didn't think I deserved it, even though, you know, I was making a fat six figure salary at the time. So it's really, really fascinating how these subconscious beliefs that we hold create these blocks and barriers energetically to having the very things that we say that we want.
1: So. It's interesting that you say that we, you know, we, we get what we expect. We get what we are, are feeling worthy of. So as you do this work and as you understand, undercover some of the beliefs that are below the surface, what do you find is common among some of the coaching clients as habitual, either problems or things that they you're able to help them break through that make a true difference in their, in their world?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it often boils down to three simple things. The feeling, the belief, I'm not enough. I'm different. I'm not worthy. In some way, shape, or form, I'm not worthy of love, success, money, happiness. I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough, good enough, talented enough, et cetera. I'm different. I don't fit in. And so I have to do things differently, right? That was mine. I'm not enough. And I'm different. I am I'm like, I'm, I must not be enough because of the dynamic I was experiencing in my family. And so my whole life, I felt kind of on the outside. So that became my superpower, right? How do I operate differently to stand out in a good way versus having to shrink from it?
1: Yes. So it's interesting that this thing that we're trying to do is to stand out. We really do want to be unique and, and be yep. appreciated for who we are, correct? Yep. Yet ironically, what we want also is to belong and to be part of something. Yes. So how does this dichotomy play out in a way that's successful? How, how have you done it? Or how has somebody that is a mentor of yours done it? Because I still struggle with it today personally is I've been in businesses and environments where I come in, charge, add incredible value, uh, shake things up. And then and then people, and this is my story, of course, will go into their story. And all of a sudden there's this separation that happens. I'm either too much for them or not enough. And then before I know it, I'm no longer feeling welcome, and that be my own filter. Or they're intimidated, and then the separation happens. And the separation for me creates, um, you know, one of the possibilities is sadness, right?
0: Yeah. No. Thank you for sharing that, Rock, because that that is something that is I see a lot, right? Where, as individuals, we we. We absolutely want to belong. We're hardwired to be in connection and community with each other Mm. from a, you know, 5,000 years ago or whatever it is. And, but at the same time, those underlying beliefs that we have create the fear of not belonging, of not being good enough, of not fitting in in some way, shape, or form. So we put up these shells to protect us, right? We put up these shields, the the facade of looking good, right? In some way, shape or form. And so it's always a dance of tapping into who you are authentically, right? Letting go of the shields, the facades, and then allowing yourself to be who you are and recognizing that your cup of tea is not everyone's cup of tea, right? You are bold and courageous and brave. And for those who haven't discovered that in themselves, that can be intimidating. I have, the, I get the same kind of thing. I can be very like, hey, right? And be like, oh, <laughs> back up a little bit. And so learning how to meet people where they are is, is actually a talent, right? It's, it's something as coaches were taught, you know, out the gate, how do you energetically meet people where they are so that you don't overwhelm them with too much energy or you're not bringing enough to the table. Right. I've, Over the last 20 years, I've delved into so many different types of personality assessments and neuroscience and physics and energy to understand how how does an individual's energy impact the others in the room, and then how do you master that energy so that you can create that connection while still being who you are authentically. I, I always tell my clients, this is like the ninja secrets of how to <laughs> be in relationship with others because it's, it's very subtle. It's very nuanced. And the work that we do is able to help them remove those blocks and those facades so that they're showing up more brightly. Their energy is expanding. I had one client married for 30 years, her husband looked at her like, what did you do? You, you look taller. (laughs) Like, it's really amazing what happens. And so when you start to understand that you can wield your power literally, right. And manage your own energy in relationship with others, it creates a very big difference.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know i i've studied nlp as, as as you have and one of the things that struck me that i think the average layperson, if we can call it that is not aware of without that that education is that you can't influence people until you're in rapport and people don't necessarily understand that they're like trying to impr- impress on the other person a point but they haven't yet established rapport and so i think your point to your point energy is rapport right if yes. somebody shows up like i went i went to um, i was on a tv show the other day and i went prior to the tv show to meet with the host and she goes let's meet at a restaurant let's get to know each other first and I'm like, okay. So I get in there and as soon as I walk in, she's like, oh, hey, Rock, how are you? And I'm like, I'm doing awesome, how are you? She goes, <laughs> like, oh God, I'm feeling great. And then we just went off on each other like this and we were, she was bobbling all around and I was just bobbling all around back because I have learned that if you can meet people where they're at and then even you can just slowly raise it, they're gonna feel awesome, right? But if I went in there and she was like, hey, how are you? And I was like, I'm good, how are you? Immediately, right? <laughs> and so, check it out, Michelle. We're like, I don't know, driving over 45 minutes later, and she's like, "God, I feel like I've known you forever, Rock," and I just met you, right? Yeah. I go, and I feel like I've known you forever, and she's laughing and because matching and mirroring, and I'm I I'm being sincere, but. That awareness to me, and I learned this from Tony Robbins, is it's actually respecting the other person where you become so curious as to how their internal model of the world works that you can go there, meet them, you can play together. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, totally. I totally agree with you. And being able to tune into another person's energy and recognize it means you have to know your own energy And you've got to move your own stuff out of the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And you know, we were like, I don't know, four 30 in the afternoon and she'd already had a glass of wine. And then we get to the set and then she's like, okay. And she's pouring wine for everybody. And I don't want to drink wine at four 30 in the afternoon. But again, I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. Right. And then I just take a tiny little sip and put it on the ground, but I didn't want to break rapport. Right. And there, my mother is a mismatcher. And so I'll like, so, you know, oh my God, I think it's gonna rain outside. We should eat inside. she go, no, we're gonna eat outside and we'll put up umbrellas and we'll brace it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I can feel the drop in energy. And in them, <laughs> <get>, right. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So I love the fact that you talk about energy and meeting people at their energy level. I wanna give you a couple of rapid fire questions. So COVID, everything going on, you being inside a little bit, one or two really great books that you've come across recently.
0: Oh gosh. Well, there's so many. Let's see. And then the names are going to escape me. Michael Singer's, uh, his books. Surrender
1: Experiment or Yes Soul.
0: Yes. Both of those yes. um, gobbled those up. What was the other one that I just finished reading? Mindsight by Daniel Siegel. Okay. Brilliant.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: I, I geek out on the on the scientific facts of our brains and how they work and, you know, so I can understand it better. And I just got the new Jill Bolte Taylor book that literally just came out like last week or something. Okay. So,
1: Super cool. Audible yeah. or you read?
0: Um, I'm a reader. I have to read and I have to highlight like. and write notes. <laughs> it's just how my brain works. If I had to listen to it, I would have to listen to it over and over and right. over again right. for it to, you know, drop in. What makes you happiest? Oh gosh, what makes me happiest? Sitting in my garden, watering my vegetables, watching my cats get antagonized by my golfing cockatoo. (laughs) She literally will chase them around the yard if I let her. The bird will chase the cats. It's it's pretty entertaining.
1: Your love life, Are, are you in a relationship?
0: I am not. I am not. I uh, was for a while and um, that didn't turn out the way it needed to or it turned out the way it turned out. And so. Sure. Yeah.
1: So you're, you're, my parents got divorced at a young age. I've been divorced several times. And I think that what's happened to me is that when I get into a very deep intimate relationship, I get a little bit afraid because I grew up with The example of like my father, both my parents never taught me intimacy. Mm, Yeah. One of the questions (laughs) I ask people in my coaching is what did your parents not teach you? We all talk about what your parents taught you, but what they don't teach us sometimes is how to manage money or how to be kind or how to be, how to self-care, right? Um, How to be intimate. And so my story that I've worked on recently is that when I get to that place of deep intimacy where the person is, is communicating deep love, part of me wants to have that imposter syndrome, if you want to call it that, and run the other way because I feel like it can't last because I never witnessed intimacy lasting. So that's been a really big focus for myself in relationships. And I feel like I'm really had some breakthroughs there. What was the longest relationship you've had?
0: Gosh, probably three years. Yeah. And my marriage was short-lived. And underneath all of that, I've come to find out was this feeling or this, or this belief that I was unlovable. Right? Um Because of some of the the programming that we had talked earlier about. A great another great book that I read that rocked my world and gave me a whole different perspective. Yes. It's called Attached. Yes. And it's all about attachment styles and relationship. I literally had a friend of mine many years ago say to me, honey. I think your picker's broken. I'm like, I think you might be right. (laughs) (laughs) Until I read this, I was like, I think I fixed my picker. Now I see. Now I didn't realize that there are these different attachment styles. And my whole life, I had been unconsciously seeking avoidant attachment styles because Mm -hmm. I was avoidant.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Because I was so afraid to be loved Because if I did, then I was going to be rejected. So, you know, it's all very interesting and and convoluted. But once you unravel it, it's like, oh, okay, there's room.
1: Do you find also, Michelle, that one of the deepest fears we have is that if I attract somebody who will fully love me, and then I am not enough, and they leave, it confirms I'm not enough. So I will attract myself to people that are not fully available So I never have to feel the feelings completely of not being enough. Does that make any sense?
0: Oh, it makes total sense, right? Because your amygdala, the part of your brain that is your fight or flight mechanism, right? I call her Amy. Amy just wants to keep you safe, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) Amy just wants to protect you and keep you safe. And so she'll unconsciously be like, no, 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 don't go for the one who's a secure attachment style. Because then bad things might happen and then you might get your heart broken. So it's better to unconsciously attract someone who's really not emotionally available so that you can either leave first or prove Amy right. See, they left. See, yeah. see, you're not you're right. you know? So it's a very sticky wicket. And it takes, at least in my case, it's taken a lot of work to get at the root causes of it, to understand it and see it clearly so that I can make different choices Yeah. And choose things that are supportive versus really not supporting because it, it, it took me a long time as well to see. I used to always say, oh, my mother's so stoic. And last year I was working with someone who said, yes, your mother's stoic and she's emotionally unavailable. And it was the first time that I had ever put those words with her. And it was like, I was like, Oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. And that was the model that I, I grew up with. Right. So seeking emotionally unavailability was my thing until I decided, no, that's really not going to be my thing anymore.
1: Well, you, you rocked that out for a while and now you're done with that chapter, right? (laughs)
0: Exactly. just the way
1: it is sometimes.
0: Thank you, this, next.
1: <laughs> this is a great book, if you haven't read this, by Kelly, Kelly. Flanagan called
0: Lovable. Lovable. Okay, I'll check it out.
1: He's my relationship coach. I hired him after reading that book. I do want to draw the parallel, though, between the fact that most people, and, and this one might make you feel a little bit better, is, as we know, over four, 50% of people fail in their marriage. And a lot of people studies show, I forget the number exactly, but it's somewhere over 80% fall into three different categories but essentially what they're saying is that they're actually they're just like friends they're not they've lost the level of passion or they work together as business partners so they're functional together they run a real estate business or an insurance company or a dry cleaner but you know they really don't have a a rich loving relationship And so probably if we narrow it down, people that are living a passionate, loving, caring, rich, intimate, open relationship full of fun and joy and pleasure that we all dream of is just probably a bit like those that are financially free, somewhere below 3%.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree.
1: And so... You know, there's, there's hope for all of us, I think, to, to never quit. And I think for me anyway, Michelle, I think curiosity, wonder yes. is a key to life. And to draw the parallel now, because this is Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life, between relationships and the fear of not enoughness and the imposter syndrome and all that sort of thing, I think the same thing happens for people in their careers and in their businesses, is that they're so afraid of failure Amy is working so hard campaigning. She doesn't want to lose her job, right? And she's nope. she's got job security on her mind big exactly. time, right? And so she's like, "Well, you could open that business, but um, you know, there's lots of competition, so, you know, maybe you should not. And, and there is this ream of, of new millionaires coming on with with cryptocurrency and with technology and, and stuff like that. But then there's a whole bunch of people that are struggling financially because they're not going all in. Yeah. And until we decide to go all in in our relationships and all in in our business and all in in our jobs and are willing to be vulnerable enough to say, you know what, maybe I am not good enough in that particular position, but I'm curious enough to get coached.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Curiosity is a beautiful
1: tool. It's (laughs) just, it's one of my favorite words in the English language, right? And the opposite to that is the three most dangerous words in the English language are, I know that. Mm. And if you've ever been around people that's like, I know, yeah, I know that. I know that. I know that. You might say they're righteous or you might say that they're, they're, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Right. It's so like, I really believe that, you know, you can be right or you can be rich. You can be right or you can be happy. So which do you want? And if you are around really successful people, Michelle, have you ever noticed that they actually talk less than people that are trying to prove how smart they are? Yes. Right?
0: most cases there are a few that i know but yes. i think they fall into the narcissistic category so <laughs>
1: i would agree with you there 100% but the the real the real sages right like i get this buddy of mine who's worth you know well over 100 million dollars and whenever we get together we both of us have you know our journals with us and we'll literally get in the car with the uber driver or whatever and we'll start talking and one of us will invariably pull out a, a journal and start writing notes from you. Oh, really? You're working on that content? Oh, that sounds really cool. What did you say again? <laughs> right? Like committed and creative, you could do it. Oh, I love that. Boom, 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 right? So I love being around curious people, people that are open and people that are, you know, yes and.
0: Yes. Right? I, so you'll crack up. You'll totally crack up. So many, many years ago, I'm super creative, right? I'm always making stuff. And I was on a coaching call with a client and they were like, yes, but yes, but I was like, no, no, you gotta, you gotta step into yes. And, and so it inspired some creativity. So I, I created, this is the butt gremlin. I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it has a belly button and some little toes, but yeah. yeah, this is the butt gremlin. I keep it on my desk just to remind me not to get ever caught in a, in a, that, butt is, perfect. Moment.
1: <laughs> that is perfect. I love it. <laughs> Well, Michelle, if people want to get in in touch with you and connect with your beautiful energy and learn from you and follow you and what have you, how do they do that?
0: Easy. You can find me on social channels, michellemolitor.com, nectarconsulting.com. michellemolitor.com is all about the personal one-on-one work that I do. Nectar Consulting is all about the corporate and employee well-being programs that I have as well. And you can go out to Facebook, to the Rewire for Success group and come join the beautiful community I have there of like-minded folks who are always interested in expanding their minds and opening their hearts and learning new things.
1: Beautiful. I love it. How did you come up with Nectar. nectar. It
0: actually came to me in a dream, Rock. I, when I very first discovered coaching and was looking at becoming a coach, I, I met with a colleague up in uh, Sausalito, um, just north of the Golden Gate, and ended up stumbling into this art gallery afterwards and then found this beautiful painting by an artist named Daniel Merriam. And it's watercolor meets Escher meets children's books meets a little bit of erotica, and it's fascinating. And, and this painting has, um, I call them giant butterbees. They're they're butterflies that look like big fat bumblebees. And the name of the painting is called Like Honey to a Bee. and. For me, bees go from flower to flower and they extract the nectar, they extract the pollen and they take that back to the hive. They create the honey, which is the food that feeds them. Mm. And so my work is all about helping people tap into their own essence and have that be the food that feeds their soul and their work in the world.
1: I love that, there's a really good meaning behind it. You know, Michelle, the very first quote that I gave myself permission as a non-author to write down on paper and to sign my name to it, feeling as an imposter, was my ability to capture the essence and apply it at a level of mastery even more right now is what separates me from the rest. Mm. And I think that that's fairly similar to, you know, your message is, is go, go, go. Like for me is if I can get the wisdom from you, something I learned from you, then it's it's my dharma, it's my obligation now is to take it into the world and apply it. Not just dabble with it, not just play with it, not just try it, but at a level of mastery, which means I must repeat, I must communicate, I must share, I must teach, I must play with it until it becomes part of my identity and serves me Unless something along with a higher vibration comes along and displaces that strategy or tactic so I can elevate myself again. So I love the fact of the the, the B metaphor because I think it's in harmony with, um, with my belief system. So, Michelle, thank you so much for sharing this time. Thank rock you. Rock your money, rock your life podcast where you know we love to bring insights to people so that they can elevate their life and you spent um, the better part of your life doing just that so guys listen to this re-listen to it if you like what you're hearing please subscribe share it with somebody so we can make the world a better place and i know that sounds cliche but it's really going to happen as you continue to develop yourself personally and that's what we're here to do so michelle we're going to have you back and we're going to talk about some other things because you've got a wealth of knowledge so thanks again
0: Thank you, Rock. My sincere pleasure. Many blessings to you and to your listeners.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us